0: Welcome back to another episode of Peach Betty Presents, the podcast where we talk to creatives about their craft and how they've embraced their hustle. I'm super excited today because in studio we actually have Stephanie, and Stephanie is here, and what she does is something that I have personally have had zero experience with. Her brand is called Simcoe Edible Art, and she does lots of cookie and cake decorating, I believe.
1: <laughs> Stephanie, you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sounds good. Yeah, so my name is Stephanie, um, and yeah, my brand is Simcoe Edible Art. Um, yeah, so basically what I do is that I make sugar cookies. I, I did make cakes in the past, but I would say that I'm not really marketing it that way. There's so many people in the area that do it far better than me so I'll, I'll leave it to just the sugar cookies oh like. come on you have
0: to give yourself more credit than that <laughs> one day
1: uh, seriously when i see all the videos and what people do it intrigues me it almost seems like the next step but right now it's so busy i could limit myself to cookies and keep myself busy so
0: wow um, but yeah. that's really impressive that's good to hear that's yeah so, cool. so i do
1: sugar cookies and um basically i decorate it with royal icing and it's primarily for people to order just like they would with uh, cookies sorry with cakes or cupcakes and it's just a way to celebrate so typically people are ordering like a dozen or two dozen cookies for birthdays or thank yous or anniversaries whatever the theme is it's basically used the same way as someone ordering a cake
0: oh I see so you said that it was made to order is that correct
1: that is primarily, I would say, like ninety percent of my business is uh, made to order. So I'm doing custom orders for people. Oh, uh, I see, but there are the occasional. Uh, I find around the holidays, so like for Christmas or Mother's Day was big. Valentine's Day was huge. Uh, Easter is also really big. So um, what cookiers we call ourselves cookiers? <laughs>
0: cookiers. <laughs> wow, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, we typically will the typical way that it's done is that we'll make our own designs, make, uh, make those cookies, so actually bake and decorate them, and then take the pictures, post them on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is, and then um, basically open it up for ordering. So people will look at those, you know, the, the cookie offerings and then place their order so that, you know, the day or a couple days before Father's Day or Easter or whatever it is, then they can come and pick up the orders so oh, but that's okay. really like five to ten percent of what i do
0: so where are you based then because i'm from what i'm gathering it sounds like you don't deliver it's a, I have to order and pick it up from a location right you don't you don't send them out or... that's right uh, ah yeah. okay i see yeah I so
1: see. um yeah i'm i'm home-based i'm just working out of my kitchen um, there are definitely cookiers that have kind of up their uh, business to the point where they can open up storefronts, or mm-hmm. they'll work in um, in like a and like an industrial kitchen, and they'll bake out of that and uh, do it that way. But yeah, I'm just in my home kitchen baking away.
0: Oh, cool. Okay. Does that mean are you are you somewhere East Coast, West Coast?
1: Are you yeah. middle? Uh, east coast, but one uh, else. Well, I don't know if I should say that. So uh, I'm I'm up in Canada, uh, oh, <laughs> and I feel like oh, if man. I said, <laughs> <laughs> I, "Hey, look, I can tell you right now, cooking is so popular. I can tell you with almost 100 percent confidence that there's a bunch of cookiers where you live. They are just waiting for your order, basically. But um, yeah, I don't want to say that I'm on the east coast because in Canada that would really be." the Atlantic provinces and that's not quite where I am and plus I'm where I am I'm pretty pretty landlocked uh, not not completely but uh, yeah I would say it's we're oh, anyways I'm just north of Toronto and that's you know uh close to not too far off from New York City so generally in that area if you can think of it
0: okay got you you know something yeah. that's really interesting is that you are second guest who is considered international because our first okay. episode we had Bertie who's in Sweden so that's super cool I didn't realize you're in Canada for some reason I thought you were like in the Midwest or something
1: (laughs) Oh, okay I'm giving off Midwest vibes Uh, yeah no I listened to Birdie's interview too so that's it was kind of exciting to hear that you were interviewing (laughs) for for people outside of the states so yes I I
0: love that I love that variety Mm -hmm. oh can you can you elaborate on why why the company brand name Simcoe Edible Art what does that what does that mean and what does that stand for?
1: Yeah, so um, I think with any company, you really have to put some thought into how you want to brand yourself, and there are some really amazing, you know, company names out there for cookie companies. Um, I wanted to have a certain level of sophistication, so there are cookie, uh, you know, cookie brands out there that play off of something more um, funny, you know, just humorous, but I uh-huh. wanted a little bit of, uh, of, of class, uh, but, you know, teach their own. So, edible art, I thought was like a really fancy way of saying <laughs> decorated cookies. It just sounds oh, really okay. kind of, I don't know, posh or prim and proper. I don't know. Uh, not that that's necessarily what I do because I love doing silly, odd, fun things. Um, and then Simcoe is just the region that I'm in. So, uh, Simcoe region is, again, just north of Toronto, about an hour. An hour oh
0: that's what simcoe is exactly. it's like a region somewhere oh yeah exactly
1: yeah okay cool
0: i didn't know yeah. if it was like a last name of yours or something like that
1: very cool. it's true if you don't live in the area you're not going to know right
0: right right exactly yeah.
1: that's exactly it
0: <laughs> so how long have you actually been um did you say cookier is that what you said earlier yeah <laughs> so how long have you how long have you been doing this cookier thing professionally
1: so um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I want to use the word professionally because it's it's actually like a a side hustle or a hobby. Um, I do have a full time job, but I think um, that's professional. Yeah, oh, you know I, what? Mean, you're, I think I think it is. I mean, I mean I'm, later
0: on, um, everyone can go and actually look at the work in the. The description because it will be linked, but I think anyone can tell that it's professional work. It does; it's not sloppy or anything. So you know what? Thank
1: you for saying that, and and I think that's something that a lot of people do in this industry is that we kind of downplay what we do sometimes, whether it is Uh you know not not the full time job, but uh, for example, I was reading um, you know a comment that another uh, another uh, cookier posted about how. When someone asks what she does, or, you know, going the same for me, when someone asks what I do, aside from my full-time job, oftentimes we find ourselves saying, oh, we just make cookies. Oh, uh, you know, it's just cookies. It's a lot of jest. And we're really downplaying the fact that it's, you know, it takes a lot of work. There's a lot of pride going in. So I think we have to be more conscientious about how we talk about what we do. You're right. It is, it is a professional job. And people are doing it and maybe I'm not doing it full time, but yeah, it's something to be proud of. Yeah, so, I think
0: you should be proud of it. You've, thank you. You've done a lot and I think your portfolio is great. And, you know, if it there's a reason why people buy from you, I thank think that you. says a lot, too. Awesome. I actually it found I found your work because I think one of my mutuals had shared it on their story. Yeah. I, I don't remember who it was.
1: Um, yeah, you mentioned that which is yeah, really exciting. Yeah, I can't
0: remember. I can't remember who it was, but I know the power of sharing is really powerful because I've had some of my work being sold only because some of my mutuals shared it. So you never know. I think You're social absolutely. media, yeah, social media is incredible that way.
1: It is. Uh, so sorry, to answer your question though, um, I've actually, my anniversary for making cookies is is pretty much a year. So I just oh, started congrats. this month. I, <laughs> I know. And you've been talking to people that have been doing, you know, whatever craft it is that they're doing for years, but yeah, I'm only one year old. Um, and it, you know, I've come a long way, but I also realized that, you know, the experiences I've had, I, I don't have, I'm not drawing on, you know, five or 10 years or 20 years of experience, like uh, some other, <laughs> some other cookers have been doing it. But hopefully I can still, you know, lend some advice and some experience uh, Uh to the conversation.
0: No, I think it's, I think it's good that you brought that up. I don't necessarily think that, you know, length of time has much to do with, you know, the product or the quality of work necessarily sometimes in the creative field. I, if you could have told me that you've been doing this for 10 years, I honestly would have believed you.
1: Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's a it's, it's been a steep learning curve, but I've, mm-hmm. you know, I'm want to typically downplay, uh, you know, the progress that I've made, but I think when I see that people are reaching out to me to, um, you know, like, you know, send out compliments, but also just to put in their orders. I think that's confirmation that, you know, I'm progressing and that I'm, um, you know, that I'm doing a good job. So yeah, thank you. It, yeah, of it, course. Sometimes it feels like I've been doing it for more than a year. <laughs>
0: that's just how the industry is. I yes. remember the post, the post that I shared was, I think it was your cake or your cookie of, was it the great wave? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, um, off one. of,
1: yes, yes, yeah, so, yes. so that one's. it's actually a really interesting cookie that you would have, like, um, found and latched onto, because that's also a di- different type of, of cookie that um, people do. So, actually, sorry, so, I did the 90% of my orders are custom orders and 10% are Uh the the holiday, but I should have left a little percentage in there for uh, collaboration cookies. So that's actually a collaboration cookie. So I'm not sure how, I I think I've seen a bit of the conversation that you had with Birdie. So I feel like there's something equivalent out there in your um, area of what you do, but basically a collaboration cookie is, so the cookie community really likes to, um, we like to come together and basically post on a theme. So, in this case, uh, there were two um, cookiers. One of them was, uh, oh my gosh, her name is Manuvel. Oh, I don't remember her name. Uh, it's something like Manuvel <laughs> But, anyways, she. Um, She hosted a cookie collaboration theme. It was called a mystery club. So most of the time there's an actual theme. It will be like, oh, it's, um, you know, Valentine's Day or it's uh, pride cookies or something like that. But in this case, it was a mystery club. You basically have to lock into doing your cookie um, without knowing what it is. And then a couple of weeks in, she revealed that our cookie theme was water. So I, yeah, I basically, um, we create our cookies and we can do whatever we want. We can make it humorous. Um, it could be something super cute, uh, you know, or it could be something very beautiful and creative and original. So, what I did was I did a cookie um, based on what is like arguably one of the most popular uh, Japanese pieces of, of art coming, uh, coming out of Japan or recognizable, I should say. And that's the great wave off of, think it's. I, sometimes I say it wrong but anyways um, yeah and and I'd probably say it's my second favorite cookie that I've ever done and I've got a lot of compliments on it people said that it really looks like the original in, uh, sort of painting, in sort of pink in in cookie form so mm-hmm. yeah it was just something that I really enjoyed
0: uh two things about that is uh first thing is is that I know what you're talking about with what you said about birdie so I think if this happens in a lot of communities, it also happens in crocheting communities as well from the second episode. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of communities do like to get together and create like hashtags. I see that your hashtag, I think it was like mystery bakes collab. Like you said, yes. um, the crochet community has like a May for the month of May. They would all like get together and do something fun. Um, I know I myself have done collaborations in the past with a hashtag or just got together with a group decided a theme like what you said with like water and then just kind of like created our own pieces revolved around that theme so I think it's pretty cool because you know different communities have their own thing but it's like the same process and the same style like we kind of like you kind of need that connection to keep you know creating artwork and stuff so pretty cool yeah Um, I
1: I feel like it really pushes so I think that if anyone looked at (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're good. Anyone, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think if anyone looked at my cookie posts, they can actually see a difference between what I post when, say, someone orders a dozen cookies for like a baptism or a birthday. Um, you know, it, it's like a very cohesive set. It, there are a lot of details in it, but there's also some simplicity, and it just really works together. But a collaboration cookie typically is typically is one um, cookie where there's like a lot of thoughts and effort put in that kind of ups your game. It really pushes you out of your comfort zone and forces you to um, kind of like think about approaching a cookie in a different way, maybe trying a new technique. And yes, there's like a ton of techniques when it comes to shir- uh, decorating sugar cookies that people might not understand, but there really mm-hmm. is. So yeah, it's, it's a, it is it's a really great way to not only up your game with techniques, but also to connect with the community because... We, as cookers, really rely on others in our community to uh, find that support to keep pushing. Um, there are people that I'm connected with that, you know, wh- when I'm having a really uh, tough time with something, and it could just be personal or whatever, you can reach out to these people. And there's something about developing those friendships, but also knowing that there's that disconnect in the sense that they they don't know, you know, they don't have the connection to Uh, the people that are like real life in your community that they're just gonna, you know, reveal all your, your, uh, your, your issues or (laughs) problems with, but they're Uh there supporting you and it could be cookie related too. So it's really great.
0: I think sense of community is really great. And I love what you said too. Oh, I, I know. I remember now. So with that cookie design as well, and this will flow into all these other crazy questions that I have because I have zero <laughs> knowledge of how this works, but how how exactly do you paint or create images like that on cookies? Like, I don't know. Do you have any formal education with art? Were you someone that painted a lot while growing up? Did you take a class on this? Like. I'm just amazed it's it's a lot of work and I just don't understand how this works
1: <laughs> I think it's a combo of of both I will say this so um I've seen cookiers when like they'll post their first few sets and then where they've come from from like years later and you can tell that, that like it, it kind of tells everyone if you want to decorate cookies you can actually do it without any formal um you know formal education or formal practice okay. in that area, and you could just constantly be making cookies and developing your technique, and you could get to the point where you're making beautiful, edible art and you can sell it. Um, I happen to have some background, uh, but a very limited like I, I couldn't say that I went to you know any post secondary, um, like university or college, and did anything like that. But in high school, I uh, pursued art, and when I was Thinking about what I wanted to do when I went into university, it was like a real balance between a a drawing. Like I was drawn to the math and science, but also to art. So at some point, I actually wanted to, you know, go into a line of work that straddled both worlds. And so I actually really wanted to go into uh, forensic anthropology because forensic anthropology is like a a real connection to the science math uh, side of of things, but. I, I thought it would be really neat to it sounds kind of gross, but to you know, get to <laughs> people that are able to use clay and uh, and basically create the faces from deceased individuals, like their souls oh. and stuff like that. And, and I know that sounds so super creepy, but um, not I really. I'm was... surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I thought there was a really great pull in both directions. Uh, in Canada though, like it's just there's not a lot of jobs in that area so I kind of thought if I want to actually end up with a job I probably can't pursue that so I decided to go into the sciences and I did forensic biology instead but Uh, I didn't end up there anyways so Uh, (laughs) you never know where life's going to take you But yeah yeah, I I did have sorry I did have uh I was doing some mostly acrylic painting when I was in high school so I'm not a a complete noob, but uh, at the same time it's been a while Um, Uh,
0: okay that makes sense
1: yeah Yeah, Um, I would
0: I think a lot of artists kind of do what you said, where they kind of fear that they can't pursue their passions in a creative field. Like They won't be able to find a job or make money. So that's why they do what you said, like kind of use their creative interests as like a side hustle type of thing, but have like, like you and I like full time jobs in a different field or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. It's sad, but it's true. Uh, but I, I think it is um, harder for families to support the idea' Definitely. like depending that uh, you want to perceive something in the arts because yeah maybe maybe it isn't as certain an income but I don't know I, I kind of weigh a person's happiness more now in perspective. right. So right. I think if any of my kids were to, to you know perceive something in the arts, I would be completely supportive of that. But uh, and I'm not saying that my family wasn't supportive. They they were. I really no no I understand the yeah. Subject yeah. I just decided oh I need a job so i better go do this. So.
0: I think it's a very Asian family mindset. Yes. So yeah. yes yes I think all people who come from Asian families and backgrounds can kind of empathize and you know maybe is so. <laughs> a bit too close to home.
1: Yeah, uh, unfortunately, yeah. but yeah, I think so. <laughs>
0: Oh, but um, with the cookies too, I was wondering, because I was looking at your cookies and how there were so many different color palettes are, I don't know, is it icing? Is it fondant? Is it whipped cream? Or do you use like a combination, like dependent on the cookie?
1: Um, for me, I'm pretty much, I pretty much limit myself to just royal icing. And I would say that's probably like nine my feeling is about 95 percent of cookies when they go into uh, decorating sugar cookies it's it's just royal icing however um a lot of people will supplement that with like they will use fondant or um i don't know other there is also buttercream um, Uh decorating as well but i've never tried it and i think that i'm told that the icing tastes even better but I don't think it's necessarily as easy to work with. Sometimes I, I find that like the details on it aren't as intricate. Sometimes, but I could be wrong. I just really haven't delved into that. Um,
0: Wait, so what? What's the difference between royal icing and fondant? Is it like consistency or something like that?
1: Well, not having worked with fondant, but also knowing what it tastes like and not uh-huh. loving it. Like yeah. fondant is generally like I think you can make it on your own, but usually, you know that you know what's covered what covers most wedding cakes it's that Uh it's it's almost like draped on it's got that you know like a it's a thicker consistency um I find that the the flavor of it isn't as like deep or delicious I'm sure people will argue with me and people have told me that no I'm someone that
0: doesn't like fondant either so I get it I get it yeah so
1: like for example my wedding cake I just said no thank you I just want I just (laughs) want uh I, I I don't want any fondant on it basically um yeah, so I think maybe one day I'll pursue looking at stuff mm-hmm. like fondant, but right now I'm pretty content with royal icing. It's challenging enough, to be honest.
0: So what's the consistency of royal icing like?
1: Yeah, so I can tell you that probably the biggest challenge for probably even for pro cookiers, but definitely for beginning, uh, like beginners, is consistency of icing. So ah, okay. it's like... The icing is really just, uh, you know, powdered sugar, um, and then water, maybe some corn syrup and some flavoring, like vanilla flavoring. There's not a lot that goes into the icing, uh, typically, but the consistency is key. If you make the icing too runny, depending on what you're doing. Uh, so a typical cookie, when you get it, so when you bake the cookie and it's nice and cool, uh-huh. Most of the time when you're decorating it, you're going to do something called a flood. So you need something that's flood consi- consistency. So what flood consistency is, it's it's, it's just something runnier. It's a runnier um, icing mixture. And some usually when cookiers talk about this, they talk about it in terms of uh, second icing. So it's basically if you run your spatula through it, how long does it take for the icing to kind of like settle over so that it looks like basically like you haven't run your spatula through it. So some people's flood consistency will be 14 seconds. Some will be 20. It just depends on what people like. Uh, And then there's all that middle ground, right? Because there's something called like a hybrid icing where it's a little runny, but not too runny. And it's really nice because you can use it for like puffiness. It makes it so that the letters puff up nicely or you have nice puffed up like eyeballs or whatever it is. So Uh that's really important too. And then of course there's the, there's the detail in the icing and that's all the, the stuff that comes with just like the little, um, you know, intricacies of like weaving baskets or the little flower petals or any of that. So there's so many different types of consistencies. And if you're not, if you don't have the right one, it tends to make your work look sloppy. So it's a real challenge.
0: Oh, that's, that reminds me a little bit of like polymer clay a little bit. We have different oh, yeah. types of clay brands like Sculpey and Primo and Fimo and just regular generic brands. And um, it really depends on the artist and what they prefer. But a lot of people will say things that they feel like Fimo Classic is better for, you know, rolling specific things or being able to cut clay. Oh, not clay. Sorry. Cut clay canes. Um, but then there's also like Sculpey is more soft and mm-hmm. can be too squishy and that sometimes is not the best for really hot or humid areas and may not be best for like fine details because they tend to squish together easier so I think that's interesting because for me consistency is you know and texture is really key in the type of work you make so I didn't realize that that also applied to you know royal
1: icing and while
0: mixing and stuff so that's really cool
1: well, yeah, I'm like, this is eye opening for me, because I didn't realize that you could relate. So <laughs> it's kind of funny.
0: <laughs> of course, yes. Um, What about the colors? Do, is this for royal icing? Do you just, do you buy like food coloring, and then you just mix until you get the right color? Or does royal icing come in like pre pre made or pre prepared colors, and you just buy the colors and use it?
1: Uh, So the Royal icing base is white. So we do use food coloring, Um, but man, it's very like people definitely have their opinions when it comes to colors. So uh, one of the popular ones is um, sugar, sugar art. Like that's, it's just a brand and they have uh, really great, rich colors. So one of the challenges with uh, making cookies is there's something called bleed or bleeding. And what happens is sometimes when you mix colors, especially it happens with the red and black colors or anything mm-hmm. rich, if you put too much food coloring in, it can oversaturate the icing. And then if you were to pipe like a, a, a rich red color on top of a white icing, uh, it, the color actually starts to leak into the white or the lighter colors. And unfortunately, it just makes the cookies look um, less clean and less, right. you know, less professional. So, but yeah, there's, um, you basically, uh, whatever type of food coloring you enjoy the most, there, uh, there's, they probably primarily go into two categories. Uh, one is gel and the gel is more like, it's like a gel consistency. And then there's the powdered, uh, coloring and it's a, it's a powder. You just basically mix it in and maybe add a little bit of water and then it, it spreads into the icing. So yeah.
0: Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, I was, I was wondering about the whole color thing because uh, we do the same thing in clay, sort of, and resin, <laughs> uh, where um, people can choose to just buy white and then just paint over it with like acrylics or whatever after baking or before um, for some finer details, or they can actually buy blocks of clay with the colors already there and then just mix it with the white or just do what they like with it. Um, okay. And even with resin, it's like that too. Um, I wonder if it's the same where with resin, it comes clear, but if you take the color in and you drop like one or two drops, it can make a big difference in how bright or how solid you want a color to come out so I don't know if that's quite the same as what you were talking about with the food coloring but I'm assuming it's a little bit of kind of the same process where if you like over mix or you don't mix enough the color doesn't look the way you want it to
1: I would say that sounds just about right yep <laughs> it's uh, so, it's really so weird it. <laughs> so weird yeah but it's it's kind of neat because it just interlinks the two different art forms and it it, you know it's a small world i guess right
0: absolutely a (laughs) hundred percent um with the cookies themselves i for some reason thought of this question before coming on to the podcast and i think it's a it's kind of a silly question but i have to ask um the cookies themselves, do you use the same recipe? And I'm, of course, I'm not gonna ask you for your secret recipe. <laughs> you can keep that to yourself. But are all the co- are all the cookies that you use like primarily the same recipe? But then you just have different designs on the cookies themselves, or do people usually request different tasting cookies? Like I don't know, snickerdoodle, and then you'll make like doodle cookies, and then decorate on top or something like that
1: uh yeah so for me um because I somewhat limit the number of orders I can do just because I have a full-time job Mm -hmm. um, I find that I can just do the same recipe and people have no problem like nobody even asks me for a different recipe so uh for what I do I have I use the same recipe every time and it, it really is just it's very basic it's sugar flour eggs butter vanilla but the you weren't supposed to tell us that. That
0: was a secret oh, recipe. I'm so sorry. I'm <laughs> <laughs>
1: but you know what? There is. It's. It's. Um. I find mm. that a lot of bakers can be very protector, protective oh. over their recipes. And you know, this is one that I actually purchased and that I, um,
0: uh, okay. that I
1: perfected. So the, it it has a lot of finessing to the, the the recipe, like the quantities and also the process in making the dough, because it is uh, a process. Okay. Yeah, it's not a super difficult process, but there are things that will make the difference between a good-tasting cookie and a bad-tasting cookie. So as easy as it is, it is a little bit more complex than people might think.
0: And I think that that, that's perfect. And it's it's okay by us if you decide to not share, you know, the exact (laughs) quantities and the baking time. (laughs) We'll leave that to you. Um, Awesome. But I think that's cool too, because that's what I was wondering. I was like, is she making... Or using the same sugar cookie recipe, but just, you know, selling her art or is or does she cater to like, oh, I'll also make chocolate cookies and then one day do pumpkin or something. So that's super cool. I like that you have made that choice for yourself and you're sticking to it because that's not easy for a lot of people, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I think that if I was turning this into a full time job, then maybe I would branch out. Like I I have done chocolate cookies before, but I think I only got it like um, someone requested it once Uh I did do gingerbread cookies but again that was around Christmas and then nobody ever asked for it again so Uh I feel like I can really get away with just doing the just the plain vanilla and you know what I I know I'm completely biased because it is my product but I Uh think it tastes really good and I probably eat more than I should so no that's good you should be proud
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) for, for you to enjoy you know what you do and the fact that you enjoy the way the cookies taste means a lot that says a lot It's good.
1: Well, one thing that I've heard a lot of is, oh, you know, I've seen a lot of really pretty cookies, but they just don't taste good. So I think some people order from me because they want it to taste good, but they're not sure it will. Mm -hmm. And then I get a lot of feedback about it tasting good. They're always like, oh my gosh, they're pretty and they taste good. So I do, it's a point of pride for me. Like I'm happy to make pretty cookies, but if they don't taste good, I... I don't want to deliver that product. So I do take pride in the fact that they taste good and they look good.
0: Good, good. I want to ask about vegan cookies. Is that a thing? I know it's really difficult because like (laughs) eggs, right?
1: (laughs) It is a thing. Um, Like I said, I don't do them, but I have seen people that offer them. And I've also heard of people requesting recipes. So the really great thing about the cooking community is they're extremely supportive. So on Facebook sites or even if you post on Instagram, um, you can almost ask if there's someone that has a um, like a vegan recipe or a gluten-free recipe or whatever, and mm-hmm. people will point you in the right direction. There are so many recipes online uh, that I'm sure you can find one.
0: That's good. I just wasn't sure if you made them or not, but you know, I respect the hustle and that's super cool. <laughs> How long does it take for you to make a batch of cookies, though? yeah from start to finish basically uh-huh. yeah start yeah. to finish
1: yeah it's a uh, okay so this is probably the, I don't know I can't help but smile with this question because I think this is like a misconception for a lot of people that I can whip up a batch of cookies in no time <laughs> like basically you can put in the order uh yeah today and thinking. I'll have them ready for you yeah. tomorrow it's not possible like it's just it's not possible <laughs> so from the time that I begin an order, there's the design process. So Uh I would say on the minimum end, well, okay, I can almost say on the minimum end, maybe it could take me about 20 minutes. Um, And that would be for like a really easy, like, okay, I only want one design of a cookie. Or, or a couple designs of cookies, like hardly anything. Wait,
0: this but, this 20 uh, minutes is just for the design portion, Just right? for the do- Okay, design, I yes. was like, this isn't like including oh, like no. getting the ingredients in. Okay, I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah,
1: oh, I, I think I could set aside 20 minutes to whip up a batch if it's all it took. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so, but tip, let's go with a typical order for a dozen cookies. Um, uh, it's going to take me somewhere between 30 minutes to an hour to figure out how to, you know what designs do I want to put on the cookie? Because I want it to be cohesive. Uh, I need to figure out the colors. I also have to figure out what consistency of colors. So even mm-hmm. if the cookies only have, let's just say four colors, um, I might be making three different consistencies for each color. So, you know, uh, in the end, I'm trying to think of how do I, sometimes it's a game. It's like, how do I limit the number of icing bags I have to make? Because it's very typical for a, a, like one dozen order of a dozen order of cookies um, for me to end up spending close to an hour, just mixing the bags of icing. It, and it's so boring. So um. uh, I would say sometime between 30 minutes an hour. And sometimes that's just like looking for inspiration. I try not to look on Instagram because, you know, you want to be original, but sometimes you do need some inspiration. And sometimes that comes from the, like maybe a invitation that the client, uh, client sent to you and you can look off of that to make the cookies or maybe you're just looking online and uh, looking for inspiration there so if it's a jungle theme I could just put in jungle and you know look for for lots of inspiration online there so yeah 30 minutes to an hour um it just depends and then uh and part of that 30 minutes to an hour is you know what cutters am I going to use because some of them you want it to be in the exact shape so for mm-hmm. example if it's a jungle theme some of the cookies are going to be cut out in the exact shape of an elephant right but some of them are just going to be on like a square or a rectangle or some kind of plaque with like frilly edges or whatever so you're trying to figure out what cookie cutters you want to use and oftentimes I will just hand cut because I may not have the cutter like some people have thousands of cookie cutters I probably have about
0: that's what I was thinking yeah. I think I, I probably have about does, 40 yeah.
1: yeah 40 or 50 but I, I end up mostly hand cutting because I don't want to spend that much money on just buying a lot of cutters. Not how, do you, how do
0: you cut by hand? Do you use like a knife or something? You just work around the edge? Do you trace out like wax paper? And cut that's right. Yeah. Paper? So
1: I'll use, so um, I might initially sketch it out on a piece of paper and then I'll take oh, some okay. kind of like, I might take parchment paper or something like, you know, something that's a uh, food safe. And then I'll use it as a pattern on top of my dough. And then I'll take a sharp knife um, that, and just like a, it's, it's a super sharp knife, but anyways, yeah. And just work my way around the dough and it takes a long time. It does take a long time, but you know, I want to be happy with the product and I want them to be happy with the product. So usually it's worth it. So,
0: yeah. Oh, wow. That's impressive. I didn't realize that. That's very cool. I don't think a lot of people recognize that process at all. So I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Yeah. Um, after that, there's the, the making the dough, um, I like to freeze the the cookie dough after I make mm-hmm. it and it just makes it so that when you cut up the the cookies, it helps to keep its shape in the oven a little bit easier so it doesn't you know it doesn't flatten out and kind of ooze out into a weird shape. You want the sides of it to be as crisp and as vertical as possible. It is a challenge and some people will use a like a grater, you know like a lemon zester or something like that. Uh, like I sometimes end up shaving the sides of my cookies to get them so they have these nice clean edges uh, and then you're you're baking them and the baking process is not long at all for cookies right It's usually like you know, somewhere between 10 to 20 minutes depending on what you're doing um, after they're baked is the flooding so flooding is something that's almost typically done with like every every order. So that's basically creating a a clean canvas. So on top of your cookies, you're using this uh, flood consistency, royal icing, and you're just covering the whole surface. And it's, it's good to, um, it's good to let it dry overnight. So it takes a long, long, long time for a flood to set. Oh, I see. Yeah. So you can't just you can't just start painting or um, doing other things on it. Uh, mind you, some people will do a little bit of detail on it because uh, there are other issues that come up with, with cookie decorating, such as cratering. And cratering happens when uh, the icing consistency – I'm not going to lie. I actually don't understand the process completely, and it's a little <laughs> bit of a mystery to everyone. But it, the icing will just drop out in the middle, and it will create a hole. And so – Oh, that's either, weird.
0: I didn't know that yeah, was a
1: thing. So you can, you can fill it with thicker icing and try to flatten over, but it never looks perfect, but sometimes perfect is difficult to do. Um, but other people that have extremely high standards and yeah, I have high standards, but I don't have standards quite as high as some people, uh-huh. and they <laughs> might scrape a whole cookie. Like they might redo it, even though. That cookie now has to set overnight again. Like I can't. Oh, so they have you know to wait I mean?
0: again. If yeah, they... like some people oh, will do that. Wow. I can't do
1: it. It's just too much. I just try to make it as nice as possible. And sometimes so, you can end up covering a crater with a, a flower or something. <laughs> so
0: does like the, the is fud like? I know you put it on top, like you said, as like the layer before you actually start painting and decorating it. But does fud have any like, like taste to it, or is it just like sugar? You know what I mean? Because I I don't know. I wonder if it's like too sweet or too bland or something that it wouldn't, it would not taste good on a cookie. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or is, is No, that So that totally taste? makes sense.
1: Yeah. I think it's, um, I mean, really it has a flavoring of vanilla because, uh, because well, in my recipe, because that's what I put in, but some people will offset it by putting less vanilla in and putting maybe a little bit of almond in, or of course people will flavor it with whatever they want, lemon, you know, whatever they want. Oh. Okay. And then after that, there comes the details. So you're, you know, that's when you're putting on uh-huh. the flowers and the, you know, the, the hair or whatever it is on the design. And you need to make sure that that dries enough in enough time. So by no means is there ever a point where you're finally finished piping and you could just package it and, and give it. You're, there's always that waiting period for everything to dry properly and harden enough so that you can, you know, you can package it and if you do it too soon you will set yourself back by a day at least so huh. it, yeah you just got to be really careful
0: um the impatient person in me wants to ask how what's the shortest period you can wait before you can pack cookies during that time or after yeah, that time
1: i would say i would say um, you're kind of towing the line but I have done it in six hours but I've been nervous (laughs) but no one's ever complained I've only done it a few times so I think you could get away with it but I would it depends on the consistency if you're doing a flood consistency six hours is not enough if you're doing the detail the details already really thick you could get away that with that for sure
0: so usually would you would you wait like Mm -hmm. a long period of time like a day or so before you'd feel comfortable packing the cookies I suppose
1: Is that I the usually, safest? yeah I usually just try to do it overnight if I can finish oh, okay. like I, I typically finish sometimes I'm doing it into the night like two or three o'clock but uh and then normally people don't pick up until you know at least by noon and by that point I'm confident everything's good so I'm finishing the night before and people pick up typically noon time or later
0: okay i see so this is something that i feel like is kind of connected to this and i like asking this question a lot because everyone has a different process and the way they deal with it but what do you do when you mess up on you know cookies especially the decorating (laughs) part because i know you mentioned that when sometimes cookies crater or whatnot that people get upset and they try to either scrape off the cookie or in some cases like you said you just try to work with it but what about for yourself personally like how do you backtrack from like you know, if you incorrectly drew a line or something on one of your cookie pieces and you don't like it, do you actually just wipe the whole cookie off and start over again? Or is there a way to like fix it? Do you kind of improvise like a painting?
1: So yeah, when it comes to making mistakes, um, I would say that sugar cookies, especially the royal icing on top of it, it's a very unforgiving canvas. So when you make mistakes on it, there's (laughs) there's not a lot of room for you to remedy it. Uh-huh. So some of the things that I can do is like, yeah, you know, you can sometimes like hide a design with maybe a floral or extra couple of lines. Um, you know, th- there are ways to get around it, but I find that uh, making extra cookies is always a good idea. So for example, recently I was doing a space theme cookie and I think it was an order of 12, but I made 14 cookies and then I ended up dropping one Oh no! and all the planets on the surface of the cookie got squished. So as tragic as that was, it was fine because the order was for 12. So now I still had 13. Uh. So, I mean, I really, I could even eat the extra cookie if I wanted to. <laughs> so, so it's, it's always smart to um, have extra cookies. Now, mind you, I love living on the edge. So there's a lot of times I don't, and it hasn't, any problems yet so that one time that i i did have the extra cookies it was fine but um there's a lot of times i don't Um, one of the other things that um that i've done like i've also made cookies that i just really hate yeah (laughs) we've all been there with some of our pieces yep i think so when it's an artistic endeavor i think there's room to just make things that you really aren't in love with Mm -hmm. Um, and i can think of one of them being Uh, this it's an NHL hockey team the Habs Uh, I had this order for Habs hockey uh, birthday cookies and I made one design that was like a banner and it was like the most it's possibly the ugliest cookie I've ever made and I looked at it and I was so depressed about having to give it and then I realized that I was a terrible I'm actually a, a math teacher but I did terrible math and I made four different designs with like four of the four different designs. So if I have four cookies of each design, I actually made 16 cookies. I only need 12. (laughs) So I was, again, I think I'm very fortunate so far. Um, I was able to just not give my four ugly cookies because I was a terrible math teacher and I had exactly 12 perfect ones. So um, so yeah, so it does happen a lot where there's mistakes, um, but extra cookies are good. Um, I've never scraped a cookie, I will just work with it and make it make do. And, uh, and then other than that, yeah, it just, um, you just do the best you can.
0: I like what you said. Yeah, I think all of us are trying to, you know, cope with mistakes like that. So that's cool. I, mm-hmm. I like that for all of the ones that you've mentioned, too, they were all ones uh, where you have, you have like accidentally made like extra or something so like it didn't affect your your end outcome so that's pretty cool um Mm -hmm. i think something with that as well since we are kind of talking about customers and clients is have any clients ever you know to your face or even in messages to you kind of undervalued your work like told you that they're not going to pay for these cookies because they think it's too expensive or it's not worth
1: buying or anything like that Um. I will preface everything that I have to say with, with the fact that I have, I, I'm very fortunate to have some really amazing customers. Cool, cool. They, they're really great. Um, I find that if anything, like first I want to be upfront about what the cost is, because there's no way I'm gonna make something and then it's like, hey, by the way, it's this. And much they're money. like, no, and thank then, you, bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I'm upfront about that, and then I usually get them to pay um, half the amount as a deposit because I don't want to make those cookies and then they don't they don't pick them up or for the rest of it so uh yeah I'm basically trying to protect my time um you know to make sure that they're actually going to pay for their order I think that deposit
0: thing's really helpful too because then you know that they're at least halfway committed to what you're putting I think so too
1: so I know you don't do a lot of customization or that you have been recently, but would you do the same thing where you might ask for a deposit before?
0: Um, <laughs> that's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. I Are you? <laughs> uh, Luckily, I haven't been forced into a situation like that, but I have had friends who do art that do take a deposit first. Um, I've been very fortunate and lucky where for my customs, at least for my first round this year, everyone that I've worked with has been super patient and super understanding of like creative differences and they are willing to pay the full amount up front and wait for it mostly because I am sending them pictures of what the process is like giving them the autonomy to a certain number of you know like a respectable amount of like two or three like changes and things like that to say no if they don't like it um so thankfully I've been lucky with that but I I do know that if you know I were to do customs more regularly, I think it would be more wise and more smart to take a deposit. Because although I have been lucky, you know, there's so many people in the world, and I'm sure some of them, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. One word to be like, oh, never mind, I don't want it anymore, and then I would have spent all this time and energy and resources on making it. So I, I'm yes. lucky. I haven't I haven't had to feel the need to do that, but you know, if I continue making customs again, or if in the future it becomes too overwhelming and I see that problem a lot, I sadly will probably have to do something like that.
1: So I feel like I'm in a similar boat where I have also not had mm-hmm. bad experiences, but I also realize that if my the quantity or the amount of orders I start to take increases, that it's something that I would look into and do to protect myself as well. But Absolutely. that being said, yes. when... When I do tell people my prices, um I would say that 90% of the time people have no problem with it. They'll they'll say they say yes. Um if they don't, I typically just find that they ghost me. Like I just don't hear from them. So that that's fair. I mean, it Yeah,
0: that's a so sad, that but I, yeah, that that's the truth. Yeah.
1: Well, the, the the other truth is that, you know, and I I've, I've had to tell myself this and I've told um other people that are like newer cookiers than I am is that making sugar cookies is a luxury item. It's not something that everyone's going to want to invest in. you. thank you, yes. Yeah, and so it doesn't have to be a price that is affordable and, and, um, you know, necessarily caters to every person. Um, And, you know, to be honest, like if I was on the other end of it as a customer, I'm not sure that I would necessarily be a sugar cookie uh, client as well. I'd like to think I would be, but like I've never even knew this, this area of, of art existed. So it's hard for me to say, but I, I'm, it's it is it can be uh, pricey, but also when you think about the time that goes into making it, which could be anywhere from, I would say anywhere from like, th- this is not the overnight time and all those other times, like we're talking about the time you're actually working on the cookies, I would say that I've worked anywhere from like eight to maybe 20 hours that's on a, a set.
0: Lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah.
1: And, and I do it because like I enjoy it because when I work out how much I make per hour and this is not even like the actual cost of, you know, the the like supplies the to make drug, the cookies yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, not even counting that. I, I probably get paid like about $5 an hour. <laughs> on average yeah you know what yep, I mean yep, yep. so I, it's a labor of love I do it because I enjoy it but that also makes it so if I'm doing it because I enjoy it then I want to keep enjoying the process so Absolutely. if that means taking fewer orders or letting orders go because um, of different difficult clients or customers then that's what I'll do uh, fortunately I haven't had to do that but it's it's something that I would be willing to do mm-hmm. if I had to
0: I, I like what you said a lot and for me I vibe with a lot of what you said because for me personally it's like you know thankfully I am not counting on my artwork to pay for like rent or food or accommodation or anything like that it's mm-hmm. it's like a self-funding thing right like the work that I sell, I'm using that money to buy and invest more in Peach Fetty so that I can continue to buy art supplies to keep doing what I love. It's not like, you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly what you said. Like the labor exactly. of love. I'm not. I'm not doing it to really like, you know, try to pay for anything. I'm. I need. Of course, you need to like charge money for the time spent on projects because you somehow need to keep funding what you're doing. You know, to pay for your hobbies, mm-hmm. to pay for your interests. So, and. I, I think what you said about art being a luxury and not a necessity is a super important thing because I have come across people, not too often, um, and I know others have had more negative experiences with this, but, you know, people who will be, like, demanding, like, why things are priced a certain way or things are too expensive, like, I I feel like a lot of people who are not artists tend to forget that art is great, but art is is crafted and made and created by people not necessarily you know robots or AI or whatever and that it is a luxury to afford it is not a necessity you don't need to buy our artwork you don't need to buy our art pieces it's just a nice thing to have and so when people will complain about pricing or be like this isn't fair why don't you make this cheaper i could do this for cheaper i'm like oh, go <laughs> go do it then. It's, it's like it's really frustrating and i think a lot of people who don't create tend to forget that as well and that a lot of people who are making artwork are actually people and not companies or, you know what I mean? It's just frustrating. Yeah,
1: exactly. But I I have had customers, uh, very few, but I have had customers, um, uh, actually, when I think back on it, uh, say, oh, well, that's a little expensive. And then I'll say, well, uh, you know, like if in the future you do want to order something from me, that would be great. Feel free to contact me. But uh, hopefully you find someone, you know, someone that can do that for Mm -hmm. you. So I just try to be, you know, over the top polite. And like, I sincerely wish that, that they will get what they want of for course, the place that yeah. they wanted it at. But, you know, I, I also have to look out for myself and for my time, because I, I mean, I have three kids, I have a husband, um, I have a full time job, like, it's all a balance. So I, it has to be fulfilling for me as well.
0: Nope. And I agree. That's like, super important. I wish people would, you know.
1: I hear you. <laughs> I know Yeah, hear you. and I think most yeah. people do. I feel like we both can agree that most people do, but there's always exceptions.
0: So there's a couple of things I want to touch on um, before you know the mm-hmm. podcast wraps up. Time actually went by really quick. Um, but mm-hmm. there are two things that I definitely want to ask you about before the podcast ends. Um, the first thing is is I was wondering if you had any hard to hear advice for any beginners like is there advice that you wish someone told you before you started on being like a cookier or anything like
1: that yeah um, and this one's really tough like the general advice I would give to someone who's starting out and I could actually think of a good friend of mine that um, um, in high school uh, she just started cooking and so I've Uh, kind of gone back and forth kind of giving her advice and stuff but one of the things is pricing and that's a really hard thing to do because I can't tell someone you should charge this amount per a dozen cookies because it really is dependent on um, the region I find Uh so for Mm -hmm. example in the states I find that a lot of and mind you they're really 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 good uh, bakers but they will charge a minimum of60 dollars in the US for like a basic design so basic for them can mean it's one type of design oh, it's just okay. like a flood and very few details and then from there it just goes up so they could be charging like maybe 80 or more than that per dozen um, but it does to, basically it's charge what you're worth. Um, In the beginning, I get it, you want the business, you want the practice, you want to build your clientele, you feel really uneasy about what you're creating, and whether it's worth uh, the amount that people are paying. But once you get through that hump, you need to charge what you're worth. Because as cookiers, I find that most people undervalue what they do, just because it does take so much time to make these cookies, that they will undersell their their product. Um, I would say Take the time and constantly assess what you're doing and whether you need to be charging more. And one of the ways you're going to do that is, are you starting to turn down orders? If you're starting to turn down orders because you're filling up in your schedule, that's an indication that it might be time to bring up your price. Um, If you have clients or customers that are saying, holy, that's quite the deal or that's really cheap. Again, they're trying to tell you like, I would have paid more for it.
0: Oh, so I like I, that. I like that yeah, a lot. You constantly
1: have to just look at what you're doing and then try to bump it and bump it and bump it. Because I would say that most often uh, beginning cookieers are probably not charging enough. But I get it. Like I totally, I was there and I probably sold it for way cheaper than I should have. But it's just something you learn over time, but something mm-hmm. that you should think of, think about constantly.
0: I like what you said a lot Um, that kind of reminds me of something that I recently heard, where someone Mm -hmm. said, you know, instead of people thanking you for what you do, people should show appreciation, you know, with the amount that they thank by thinking of each dollar amount that they're willing to pay as a thank you. So people are only willing to pay $5 for it then think of each dollar as a thank you. And that's, that's how, how much they're willing to thank you. And ever since, ever since I, I heard that advice, I was like, you know, that makes sense that that's how much they're willing to quote unquote, thank me for the amount of time that I put into something. And ever since I've heard that my mindset on pricing has changed a lot. I know that a lot of crafters and artists feel like they can't actually charge that amount when they're first starting out and that's fine I think as you are first starting out and you don't really have like a grasp on the market and you're trying to test out things but I definitely think that once you get more established and you actually get a stronger clientele list and a base that it's more than reasonable to actually figure out are you spending your time in a way that's beneficial to you and your brand and then price that according to what you feel is right. So I like what you said there,
1: but yes, that everything you just said totally. Yeah, it's it speaks to what I was talking about. And yeah, 100% agree. Um, I guess the other piece of advice I would give would also be uh, do what makes you happy. And for me so there are certain things that you can do as a cookie or so like yeah you can do custom orders Mm -hmm. you can do the collaborations um one thing that i used to do was these cookie kits so that's basically when you just make the bare cookies so no icing on it and then you mix the colors you um, put in a bunch of bags and of colors into a kit and maybe some sprinkles packages of sprinkles and then you can sell them um, as a way for uh, you know like parents to give oh, them to their kids that's very,
0: as activities. That's amazing. Yeah. I like
1: that. Yeah, so it is. It's it is really great. And I have to say the best feedback I ever got was when I, I sold cookie kits. However, um wait, why did you stop? I have, yeah, okay, so <laughs> I was gonna, yeah. because I have limited time. Yeah, because like they, it was good. Like the money was like the money was pretty good too, although it, it still takes a long time too. But mostly it was like I I have limited limited amount of time in terms of orders I can take. So That makes sense, um, yeah. When I thought about the cookie kits, the, the sorry, the part I enjoy the most about making cookies is like the creative freedom and decorating and like just making something that looks amazing. And so I realized that the cookie kits weren't giving me that, and so I let them go. But again, that's that was something that I knew was less important to me was um was just using my time to make something that brought me joy. Uh, another thing that I find helps to rejuvenate my passion for uh, for this craft is that I really enjoy the collaborations. It's something that I just started since February. Um, my friend, uh, she, her name's Stephanie too, she's from Malau Treats and She's awesome, because she kept encouraging me to uh, do collaboration cookies. again, that that's where you're kind of like upping your technique and mm-hmm. trying to get yep, things and yep. getting super creative. And that was an awesome way to rejuvenate that feeling of of like just doing what I do. So I would say, yeah, those two things is just um ask for what you're worth and then to also do what you love, whatever aspect that is.
0: That's good. Oh, oh it's, if oh. I can add one more <laughs> thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Community, sorry, <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say
1: um, community over competition. Uh, you know, there's so many customers out there. Right. It's like one thing that I do is like because I have a full time job and I can't take all the orders that I have is I'm constantly like throwing clients towards um, towards other cookieers. I just feel like there's no point in uh, you know just trying to prevent people from finding, you know, someone that could provide that, the, the product that they want. So I have no problem saying you should go to my friend here. Uh, she also makes cookies. She's amazing. And she's just down the road kind of thing. Right. So community over competition. Aww, that's fun, that's really that, sweet. That yeah. yeah.
0: I like it. I like that you do like refer your crafting friends and your cookiers to other clients who, you know, you feel like you can't serve at that time. That's super good. I'm glad to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. my very last question to you before the podcast ends is what do you see for the future and the legacy of simcoe edible art do you want to open like a yeah. physical location one day do you want to end up you know being able to send things nationwide like what what's the what's the overall plan that you're thinking of
1: so i wish i could say it was something amazing you know like creating an empire um <laughs> but i i feel like in reality um you know, I think that what's going to end up happening is that I'm going to keep my full-time job because it does pay for the bills and and all that stuff.
0: Totally respectable. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I I enjoy it so much. So I'll probably just kind of keep on the path that I am, which is to take an order or two every week. And, um, you know, (laughs) I've already talked about how my retirement plan is that uh, when I retire from my full-time job, then that's where I'll kind of pick this up and make it more of my full-time job because I really do enjoy it. Um, I think the other thing that's kind of interesting about what's going to go on um, in the next little while is uh, I did mention to you uh, earlier in a personal conversation that um, I'm looking to move and uh, unfortunately I'll be moving outside of the Simcoe region so because my uh, you know brand is Simcoe Uh Edible Art unfortunately I feel like I can't really carry Simcoe Edible Art as a as the name where I'm going to move. So I'm going to be moving to New Brunswick, uh, which is a, it's a province on the East Coast. So it's about a 13-hour, with kids, it's probably closer to like 17 or 18-hour drive. Dang, that's a um, long away time. From where I am. Yeah, it is. However, it's also, we lived there four years ago, so we moved from there to to the Simcoe region. So we'd be moving back. We're moving back closer to my husband's side of the family and Um, and our old neighborhood community so by no means is it a a sad thing Um, you know it's it's not all sad but I will be like I'm upset that I'll be moving away from the friends and the community Mm -hmm. that I've created here and the amazing customers so oh um, you're gonna have to rebrand I see I know I will so uh, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to try to start hashtagging in, like instead of at go Edible Art, I think I'm going to start to put in uh, hashtag some go Edible Art for a while until I figure out what name I'm going to change it to. So um, for now, for like the next couple of months, I'll still be some go Edible Art. Uh, but if anyone down the road is listening to this podcast and is like, where did that person go? Uh, just look for the hashtag, hashtag go Edible oh, Art. Okay, that works.
0: Let's do this yeah. too. <laughs> Let's do this too. When you do end up changing your URL, let me know. I can just come back and edit that in for like, Future listeners who happen to come across this fourth episode, so that they can still find you. Um, Happy to do that. Yeah, happy to do that. It's no big deal at all. That's so sweet. Yeah, no big deal at all. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Um, But yeah, thanks so much for um, hopping on to be in studio today. Um, Is there anything else that you want to add? You know, the floor is all yours. If you want to promo yourself, feel free to do that. Uh, (laughs) The floor is all yours
1: thank you so much I know no, really all I want to say is thank you for reaching out and for inviting me on the podcast it's the first time I've ever done it and I'm like I am a uh, my husband hates it when I use the word hardcore for something <laughs> I'm not hardcore, but I'm gonna say it I'm a hardcore podcast listener so getting invited to uh, go on a podcast and, a and just to share anything about myself is super exciting oh, so thank you so much for that I had a really good time
0: yeah of course we're so happy to have you here. It was so wonderful being able to hear about, you know, your journey as a cookier. And, you know, I, I know a lot of my audience just follow those they follow a bunch of creatives and they love hearing different perspectives and you know just hearing about different life experiences doing art so definitely wanted to have you and you know in the future we'd love to have you again for like an update episode and whatnot so definitely uh, we'll be in contact again with you soon Um, but yes, thank you so much, Stephanie, for coming on to the podcast. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Um, this has been episode four. We will be seeing you again for another episode in the next few weeks. Bye everyone. Thank you.